2: This. yeah this is the rich eisen show
0: goats have home lives too
2: live from the rich eisen show studio in los angeles rich eisen hello rich eisen rich eisen oh that's Susie eisen <laughs> <laughs> the rich eisen show and now sitting in for rich here's brian weber
3: Welcome to the program. Great to have you with us on a jam-packed Thursday. I have roughly four and a half hours worth of content. I got to cram into a three-hour bag. So, as always, we move quickly. I don't overwhelm you with guests, just two coming up along the way. I will always carve out time to hear from you. Phone calls taken selectively, 185. 4, 4, 4, 204 Rich. And when I say that, I get pushed back on Twitter saying, Hey, loud guy, whoever you are, why do you give out the phone number if you don't take phone calls? Well, a few things. I am a radio veteran. I am older than my energetic disposition would suggest. So when you're raised in the radio business, my man, you got to hammer that phone number. Traffic and weather together. One. 844-204-RICH, 204 7424 We do have functioning phone lines. The question is, do you have something intelligent to say? Can you get past our call screener? So it's not up to me if you get on the air. So please don't take it personally. And then more to the point, because this is a monumental opportunity on a platform that is so expansive that Rich has built, and I respect Rich, the show, his brand so much, I take this gig seriously. So it wasn't just a facetious throwaway line that I got a lot to get to, and we're going to jump right in in less than two minutes talking Derek Carr. That's the game plan. So if you've heard me here or elsewhere, because I am fortunate to have a few other broadcasting roles, I do my best to make sure we cover everything going on, hopefully from a different slant than you've heard elsewhere, but I do read your tweets. I process them. If you don't even hear your handle on the air, especially if it's 37256 Emoji Emoji, your best way to be a part of the program is to hit me up on Twitter, BW Weber weberwood two Bs. As mentioned, just two guests along the way. None, in fact, in this first hour of the program. We're wide open. Coming up in hour number two, we'll take you across the NFL with Mike Jones, who? The seven people who get that reference, I'm sure they enjoy it. Mike Jones, longtime football journalist, currently working for the Athletic. Final hour of the program, as the bowl bonanza continues. Three more bowls today. I am sure you've started the countdown to kickoff for the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. That came off the tongue smoothly at Yankee Stadium. Horrible weather across the East Coast. Still. There's going to be a crowd for that game, unlike many of these unwatchable matchups, because Syracuse, obviously, if you know anything about geography, is in the Empire State and a ton of alumni in the New York Tri-State area. Taking on Minnesota, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to look ahead to the games that truly matter as we're closing in on national semifinals Georgia and Ohio State is there any importance in this game for Ryan Day? I'm not saying that he has any lack of job security, but the last time we saw the Buckeyes, they got throttled by Michigan. What if there's another blowout? What would that mean in terms of internal perception among Buckeye nation and then Rich's beloved Michigan Wolverines taking on a TCU team that I think has been exposed the last few times they hit the field. We'll cover it all to wrap up the program. 240 Eastern with P. Futek from collegefootballnews.com. In addition to Derek Carr, I'm going to get you set for Thursday Night Football. Somehow, this is going to be more unwatchable. That's a word I keep meandering back to. This is going to be a challenge beyond the fact that it is professional football when we watch But Thursday Night Football has felt like old school Jags versus Bengals a decade ago when I worked on NFL Network, and that was the only property we had that people cared about other than what Rich does with the fellas every Sunday. Cowboys, who look phenomenal, beating the Eagles on Sunday. I realize it was Gardner Minshew, but... The biggest takeaway I had there was the Cowboys hung 40 points on a very opportunistic and well-respected Philadelphia defense. Cowboys against the Titans. Not only has Tennessee imploded, they have nothing to play for tonight. It's winner-take-all next week against Jacksonville. Winner of that game wins the division, so Mike Vrabel is shutting it down. Most of the big names you know on defense aren't going to play. We'll talk about does that change the dynamic for Dallas at all because they play down to the competition that's coming up. I mentioned Derek Carr, and I. Try to be thoughtful with my analysis. I'm Brian Weber, very self-promotional. I must be looking to boost my ego before the year wraps up. In for Rich Eisen, Thursday edition of the Rich Eisen Show, one 204 rich Twitter is open for business. It's working again. Last night was rough. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs. I was thinking, other than all the well-documented issues that Twitter is dealing with, maybe the infrastructure. The pipes, because remember, the internet is a series of tubes, just could not handle the demand of all the tweets that were flowing in response to the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, I watched it, because I couldn't stop watching, because Arkansas collapsed in the second half, but outlasted Kansas in the third overtime. Twitter's still working. If you want to talk about Derek Carr, let's get there. The reason I was talking about my thoughtful, philosophical approach to content creation was I was with you on Monday, and... There was so much to get to coming off Christmas Eve, Christmas Day football. So I was trying to be more of a macro analyst and not being too bogged down in any particular game. But I did mention in passing and a connection to Rich. I thought he did a phenomenal job with the rest of the fellas. That was a well-cast booth. All the guys from Game Day on NFL Network alongside Rich calling The 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception turned out to be a tribute to the great Franco Harris, who we lost way too young last week. Watching that game, I wasn't just trying to be glib when I said, well, Derek Carr back in the holiday mood because he gave that one away. But if you've been paying attention to the Raiders, and many of you probably have written them off, as you should, Derek's Carr has had a lousy year. Now, he has had inconsistency issues throughout his career. But when I was talking about his future on Monday, I said, well, he's probably going to be around because wasn't the primary motivation of Devontae Adams to come to Las Vegas to play with Derek Carr again? They're very tight friends. They were college teammates at Fresno State. And I said, in sort of a throwaway observation, wouldn't the Raiders consider Devontae Adams' feelings? And then I was driving home. And this was independent of what happened to Carr yesterday. I'll give you the news if you don't know it. I assume by now you have functioning phones. I'm not reading headlines that are 24 hours stale. But I thought to myself, hey, self, that was a naive observation, especially for someone as pragmatic. I don't want to be cynical, but I've been around for more than 10 minutes. NFL teams do not process feelings at all, as most businesses don't. And I can tell you about that, but I'll save it for my podcast, Dollars and Cents with B-Web, wherever you get your podcast. check it out on the Odyssey app. That was a Pollyanna-ish view from yours truly. So I should have been shrewder than that. Come to find out that the tea leaves that have been dropped not only by Josh McDaniels, but by other folks close to that Patriot Mafia, that fetid, dying coaching tree— That includes now two of Belichick's kids. The finger-pointing as to why the Raiders have underachieved. Remember, this was a playoff team last year with an interim head coach in Rich Passaccia. Here comes McDaniels. We were told in the run-up to this season he had reinvented himself, learned lessons from the meltdown when he was the head coach in Denver. As Tebow Mania was running wild, he was more mature He had brought in more sage voices into his life. He was going beyond Belichick to talk to established head coaches. He had a binder of the first 300 things he was going to do. Well, somewhere along the way, old Joshy realized, I gotta find a scapegoat for this season. Because it ain't gonna be me. Now, I did tell you on Monday, and the show got hijacked by the Nathaniel Hackett firing news. We're going to talk about the future of the Broncos, and most specifically, Russell Wilson's next season. Irrespective of who takes that job, are they going to be able to find the right equation, be it play calling, be it fixing the relationships in that locker room? I think there's a lot of layers to what's going on in Denver. Or you might believe Russ has regressed so much, he's shown slippage dating back to Seattle, this is unfixable. It's broken profoundly. But when I was talking about other coaches who might be in trouble, and that's the natural byproduct when a coach gets whacked, I said you can make the argument that Josh McDaniels could be one and done, but it's not going to happen because Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, is cash poor. Now, no need for a bake sale or a GoFundMe. He's in a very different tax bracket than you and I, I presume. Although, I know Rich has a high-end audience. A lot of billionaires on their yachts listening. Mark Davis's sole source of income is the team. Like the Spanos family. And the Chargers are going to the playoffs for the first time since 2018. That means you're stuck, Charger fan. Singular with Brandon Staley for the foreseeable future. Mark Davis is on the hook for... Whatever contractually he still owes John Gruden, I never believed it was a $100 million deal, but presumably it was lucrative because John Gruden was making a ton of money on Monday Night Football. So as you're thinking about the finances of Mark Davis, he was not in any position to pay another coach to go away. So McDaniels was coming back one way or another after the Raiders were inventing ways to lose football games. And at six and nine, remember, they got the greatest gift of all time as the Patriots lost their mind on the Jacoby Myers play that had everything but the Stanford band out on the field. The throwback, Chandler Jones with the interception, and then he made Mac Jones look like a seven-year-old kid trying to tackle him. That's a gimme win. I'm going to take it off the board. Take it off the board? Really, the Raiders have won five games. I know your record is what your record is, or Bill Parcells' variation of that truism. But if you've been paying attention, this team has been horrendous. And you had Josh Jacobs, a terrific running back, who has not been pleased with his workload this year, effectively saying he was done with the team after their latest debacle against the Steelers on Saturday night. It felt like the momentum was building internally for a change. And sometimes change for the sake of change, does have resonance because this league we have seen it repeatedly has such an accelerated rate of momentum when things start drifting in the wrong direction if you are a manager on any level wherever you are in the organization you got to do something so it felt like there was going to be a fall guy and that fall guy turns out to be Derek Carr the other thing I mentioned on Monday I didn't go in depth, but I could talk about it now because I know Mike Lombardi has been on the program. I work with him in NFL Network, and I'm just picking a name amongst those connected to the Patriot Way. Mike, former executive with the Patriots, other organizations. I heard Mike in a couple radio shows. He's now working for VSIN in Las Vegas. He said over the last month on a few different shows when somebody was asking, probably a fill in hack like me, hey, How much job security does Josh McDaniels really have? And Mike's plugged in and he's talking to presumably people within the know because remember now the Raiders have become the Patriots West and with Carr being shut down, it's Jared Siddham. Of course, a former Patriot taking over for the last two meaningless games, including the San Francisco-Vegas matchup. That is old school Bay Area going to be played in Nevada with a different vibe coming up this weekend. But Lombardi was saying, as he was dropping breadcrumbs, if you are watching these games or watching the highlights or if you have access to the All-22 and the coaches tape, Derek Carr is responsible for a lot of the issues. So when I heard that, I paid attention because Mike is talking to inform people. So as all of this seemingly was creating the foundation And then on Monday, Josh McDaniels, when asked about a summation of the season with another head-scratching loss to the Steelers, who are not exactly offensive juggernauts, McDaniels said, quote, we have to throw the ball better. Now, we didn't say Derek Carr sucks. He didn't say Derek Carr is the problem, but in coach speak, That is about as close to those words being uttered using different verbiage as you're going to get. So I was not surprised at all when we got the announcement that the Raiders are moving on from Carr for the last two games, but that's not the real takeaway. It's about the future, because they're not benching him just to find out about what kind of offensive catalyst Stidham can be in a lost season. The real motivation is they don't want Carr on the field, so there would be the risk of injury. If he got injured the next year on the contract becomes fully guaranteed. That means you can't cut him without being on the hook for all of that money. And money is important for Mark Davis more so than just about any other ownership group across the league. He doesn't have Walmart money after all. And then secondly, if you're trying to move on from car, Do it in a fashion that it feels like a clean break, and do it now so you're giving the fan base the opportunity to love up Stidham. We know in any town who's the most popular cat in that metropolitan area. It's a backup quarterback. So the moment Stidham does anything right, now a monumental challenge taking on the Niner defense that's number one in a lot of important metrics, but still, even if Stidham gets a couple first downs, or avoids a cataclysmic mistake because that's been the problem with Carr, just these grotesque errors, the crowd in Vegas is going to go nuts. So there's that emotional element to it. But this is all motivated by dollars and cents because when you hear these gargantuan parameters of quarterback contracts, you got to look into the details. And I did mention on Monday, thinking about, How the quarterback landscape could evolve in the offseason if the Raiders wanted to, and this was prior to the decision yesterday, to bench Carr for the last two games. He'll be inactive. The Raiders wanted to, and now they are moving in that direction, move on from Carr. They can do it with virtually no salary cap implications just prior to the start of the new league year. If they do it in the window after the Super Bowl, they can cut him. And they're not on the hook for anything meaningful financially. So you're going to hear exotic trade scenarios for Derek Carr. He has a no trade clause. Secondly, if you're going to be the next team, you don't want to be involved with that contract. More likely scenario is that he's going to hit the waiver wire and be a free agent when we get to the offseason. And coming up. I'll try to forecast potential landing spots. We'll run through names that make sense in Las Vegas. Do I think this is Derek Carr's fault? No. Do I think Derek Carr is a top 15 quarterback? Yeah, but he's had a rough year, and this was predictable because, remember, with all of the organizational changes within the Raiders, who there is going to be his supporter, who's going to say, no, 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 we can't move on without Carr unless it comes from ownership. And at this point, Mark Davis is just looking for anything to make his team relevant again, especially the star contrast from last year. You thought they might have fallen apart in the wake of John Gruden's debacle with the emails. Somehow, Basace held them together. They made the playoffs. And then you go out and you get the bright, shiny object as Josh McDaniels had all the hype surrounding him, and this team has looked terrible way too frequently. So I'm not pinning this on Carr, but you knew something was going to change, and typically it's either the head coach or the quarterback. Head coach is not going anywhere because Mark Davis doesn't have the dough, nor does he have the willingness to spend. It's a two-prong issue there. So where's Carr going? We'll get there coming up. Do I think this is justified? I think he's getting a real deal to a degree, but this is the business we have chosen. We know how it works in the NFL, and I think if you're in a situation where you don't have one of the top eight to ten elite quarterbacks, I don't have to do the list. We know who they are. Just off the top of your head. Just think about the AFC. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Justin Herbert's going to the playoffs in that division for the first time. Carr kind of just stuck in the middle. And if that's the case, your team is stuck in the middle as well. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eyes, and we're just getting warmed up. So we'll address the future of Derek Carr coming up. We'll talk about which ways the Raiders could be looking under center when we get to the offseason. Given the McDaniels connection to New England, of course, you're going to hear the name of Tom Brady. How viable is that? Plus, we're going to talk a lot more quarterbacking news. If you didn't see it yesterday, and I don't expect you to be perusing the injury report and who's on the practice field. That's my job, after all. Lamar Jackson didn't practice again. He has not played since week 13. Raven Steelers flexed out into primetime. It's a Sunday night game. Steelers suddenly back in the wild card hunt and have a better possibility with Tua being shut down, although I think Teddy Bridgewater is good enough to handle his business. Miami should beat New England. But the Ravens have already locked up a playoff berth. They're looking to maximize their seeding possibility. But that's all the overview. What really matters in terms of substance is when we see Lamar Jackson again, and we don't know when that's going to be, I'm going to presume no way he's playing Sunday because it's Thursday and he hasn't practiced for weeks. When he returns, should he start making business decisions? Because as Derek Carr was reminded yesterday, the NFL can be a brutal business. That's coming up. one eight four four two zero four. 204 rich You can tweet at me, B.W. Weber. weberwood two Bs. I'm Brian Weber in for Rich Eisen. When you open up a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van – you're opening up more than just doors. You're unlocking potential, the potential to do your own thing, be your own boss, steer your own success, and blaze your own trail. Each and every Sprinter van is built, designed, and equipped to let you hit the open road and take on any goal you set to help you follow your passions, reawaken that spirit of adventure, and check all those big, bold, fun, and exciting experiences off your bucket list. Owning a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Van lets you live, work, and play out your dreams no matter how far off the beaten path they'll take you. And with 16 body types, your choice of a gas or diesel engine, thousands of ways to customize and now available in all-wheel drive, a Sprinter van is capable and versatile enough to help you drive your ambitions wherever you want to take them. So now's the time to discover what it is that moves you most. Don't wait. Unlock your potential inside a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal.
3: We're back with you. Always a delight to be in for Rich and the Guys. Thursday edition the Rich Eisen Show. You can have your voice heard at one 204 rich one 204 7424 Just check Twitter. It's still working. So it must have been the fallout from a Liberty Bowl from the ages last night. Beyond The arena football vibe between Arkansas and Kansas Razorbacks made that game way too interesting, but it was a good watch. 55-53 Arkansas in triple overtime. My other favorite part of the Liberty Bowl is it's an antiquated facility. I'm being nice. It's an old dump that they've put a few more bucks in. The camera sight lines are hideous. So anytime there was a big play, I hope you're watching. If not, that's what I'm here for the dudes right in front of the game camera, the main camera, would get up to cheer, and our view at home was obscured. But it felt like old-time wrestling. I was waiting for Grilla Monsoon to come out and do his thing. In 15 minutes, we're going to focus on the Denver Broncos. We'll also try to connect the dots now that Nathaniel Hackett just feel bad for Nate. When your last name is Hackett, you better play as well as you can. Like, let's say you were a point guard. If I'm a headline writer, remember those newspaper things? It would be Bob Hackett, the point guard. Bob can't hack it. Same thing for old Nate. He couldn't hack it and was overwhelmed from the very first time we saw him in primetime, that ridiculous sequence of decisions that he made botching the ending of the Monday night game between Denver and Seattle, the return of Russell Wilson. Well, with Hackett out, Early in the year, Matt Rule got paid a lot of money and was pushed out in Carolina. And very quietly, Steve Wilkes deserves consideration to be the coach of the year. He's not going to win it, but that was a team that fired the head coach, moved on from Christian McCaffrey, decided Baker Mayfield wasn't good enough for him, although Baker's looking serviceable again. And what do you know, Carolina's played well. And they played hard, and that's a reflection that they believe in Steve Wilkes. But already had three coaches pushed out this year. Frank Reich as well had to be laughing his posterior off based on what happened in the Indy Minnesota 33-0 at halftime. You know the rest of the story. Who else should be looking over their shoulders that time of the year when head coaches get pink slips? We'll get there coming up. Getting closer to Thursday night football. Tennessee is going to rest a lot of players. You know, Ryan Tannehill already ruled out questionable if we're going to see him at all again if somehow Tennessee sneaks into the playoffs by beating Jacksonville winner take all next week to take the division, taking on the Surgeon Cowboys. Reminder, you can catch that game and listen to the NFL in the NFL app on the Odyssey app on westwoodonesports.com via Westwood One Station streams or by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports sponsored by AutoZone. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help you troubleshoot the likely cause of your pesky check engine life for free and get you back on the road. Restrictions apply. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Let's wrap up the Derek Carr thoughts, and then we'll connect it to Lamar Jackson because, not surprisingly, money is involved in both cases. For Carr, if you're wondering how this all came to pass... The reason the Raiders have the ability to move on from him and Derek's doing the best he can to make the situation at least palatable from an optics standpoint, you could say he's pouting. I don't buy that. And look, I know he's emotional. I have no problem with a player crying after a game. He got crushed on social media. If you got an issue with that, that's a you problem. And look in the mirror and wonder why you're so angry. You have no conception, unless you're around these guys, and I'm not pretending to be Vince Lombardi, but having covered professional sports now for 31 years, you have no idea the level of investment on so many different levels that professional athletes put in. So if I see somebody that raw emotionally – I'm not going to criticize somebody for that. I'm going to applaud them for their humanity and a reminder of just how much these games mean to them. It's not just about the money. It's about the competition and the connection with their teammates. So Carr is removing himself from the equation with the permission from the Raiders. When they told him what he should have seen coming, he's not playing for the rest of the year, and that's foreshadowing. He's not going to be on this team next year. They let him leave the facility, and he's not going to be around, and that makes sense. Remember, Jimmy Garoppolo was in a very similar scenario in the preseason when he was number four on the depth chart, and they said, hey, Jimmy, no need to give you a playbook. In fact, they were worried if he wound up within the division, say, Seattle, he'd know the verbiage of what Chad was installing this year. He had nothing to do with the team, and then you saw all the dominoes fall. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens when he's fully healthy. I think Shanahan sticks with the hot hand unless Purdy wakes up one day and realizes, I'm Brock Purdy. I'm supposed to be irrelevant. For Carr, go through all the potential jobs that are going to open up at the quarterback position. Jets make a lot of sense to me. What's the future of Tua Tagovailoa in Miami? I'm rooting for hope next year, but now with – The latest concussion, and we know there was a head issue. I'm not a doctor. There was a head issue in the game against Buffalo that went undiagnosed. That's now three incidents. And people keep saying in a year. No, no, no. That's a season. Three incidents for Tua in four months. And I'm going to spend a lot of time on Tua in 30 minutes, the monologue to start hour number two of the program. Tennessee should be open. Ryan Tannehill had the... Bounce back after Miami left him for dead. Remember, the Titans not too long ago made it to an AFC title game, were number one seeded in the playoffs as recently as a year ago. It's all fallen apart, and now his body's falling apart as well. So, Tennessee is very attractive. And don't overreact to what happens tonight. They're resting people, and Mike Vrabel's making the right decision because tonight's game has absolutely no meaning. If you're a marquee quarterback and Carr still at his best, I think fits that description. I didn't say elite, not going to be that tired, contriving debate. I didn't say premier, but he can be a frontline starter. If you're a quarterback with a body of work, looking for a new opportunity, I think Tennessee will be the spot to go in the offseason. That includes Aaron Rodgers. You're going to hear Rodgers connected to Las Vegas. If, in fact, Rodgers wants out, we don't know that to be true. Rodgers and Devontae Adams being reunited would be interesting. Remember, Devontae had a similar financial offer from the Packers. Ballpark same money as the Raiders. He left by his own admission because of all the uncertainty surrounding Aaron Rodgers. Was Aaron Rodgers going to be there long term? You're going to hear Tom Brady's name because of the Direct connection to Josh McDaniels. But if you're Brady, and I do think he's going to play again because he's been as transparent as possible, this is the most important thing in his life. And he sacrificed his home life. He's getting divorced. I'm not saying that they're necessarily intertwined, but I read the gossip rags when I'm at the grocery store, too, and you have all that speculation that Giselle just was of the mindset you're not really coming back, are you? Okay, well, then I'm moving out. If you're Tom Brady, if you want to play another year, why wouldn't you go to Tennessee? You know Mike Vrabel. You have a stud running back when healthy, and I don't think Derek Henry's going to play tonight. You have a defense that is impactful, much better situation than Las Vegas. Plus, as much as I've been impressed with what Doug Peterson has done with Trevor Lawrence, that's a much more viable Division, as Brady is thriving in a crappy division in the NFC South. He's going to sneak into the playoffs based on where he's playing because somebody's got to win that wretched division. So don't necessarily just think, all right, well, Brady knows McDaniels. He's going to Las Vegas. I think the more likely names would be Jimmy Garoppolo, who's going to be expendable again, and Baker Mayfield. And wouldn't Baker be the ultimate Raider because Raider fans will be telling us, and I cover the Raiders for years when they return to Oakland. I have no anti-Raider bias. I used to be part of the pregame show on the old Ticket 1050 and Canberra. Raider Nation, unite! However, my good friends who are Raider fans are as delusional as anybody else. If the Raiders sign Baker Mayfield, they will put him in the Hall of Fame. And they will divorce themselves, the Raider fans who really drink the Kool-Aid. Of all of the limitations that we've seen from Baker throughout his professional run, they'll say, no, 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 that was Cleveland. That doesn't matter. Remember, here's the cop they'll come up with. Jim Plunkett did nothing bouncing around the league. Patriots left him for dead. Niners didn't want him. Two Super Bowls, baby. I'm not bashing Baker. Baker. I'm a realist. He's looked good the last few games, but at least he's played his way back into consideration to be a starter next year. I think the Raiders could be a likely landing spot. Where is Lamar Jackson going to be playing next year? Well, he has no way out. Great movie. Throw that in your old Google machine with the images of Sean Young dancing in my head and Kevin Costner is a spy. I won't give away the end, but I think I just did. Spoiler alert. There's no way out for Lamar Jackson because of a collective bargaining agreement, which is in total domination every time it opens up by ownership. So the Ravens can use the franchise tag on Lamar when we get to the offseason. They can use it again next year after the two sides were unable to reach terms prior to his deadline of getting the deal done Before the start of the season. So here's Lamar. And credit the Ravens who run the ball well and they defend the run well for getting the most out of Tyler Huntley. Still, when you have a former MVP, albeit one who has had issues in the postseason in Lamar Jackson, and there's no timetable for his return. Isn't that a significant component we should be talking more about? Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh said, we'll talk about Jim Harbaugh's future coming up next hour of the program. John Harbaugh said as much as we really don't know. And when I have more information, I'll let you know. Well, whenever we see Lamar Jackson, let's just say it's not till the postseason. Because of what happened contractually and because he did not get the Kyler Murray money he was looking for, and if you believe reports, What he really wanted was fully guaranteed money like Deshaun Watson, but nobody's going to be as foolish as the Browns were. If you're Lamar, with all the financial uncertainty looming in the offseason, don't you have to make some business decisions? Don't you have to put your body first? This is now a series of injuries that were unfortunately predictable based on his physical brand of football and putting his body on the line i'm not suggesting any grand conspiracy and lamar jackson is a competitor and we've seen him play hurt but if i'm on team lamar i'm saying why in the world are you going to on a second and eight run the risk of injury once more to pick up two more yards think about your future and maybe a slide there and it's unfortunate it's come to this but A lot of that is a byproduct of the CBA, and Lamar's got to put Lamar first because the team is not your friend. The team does not love you. You think Derek Carr, for a moment, thought when this season started it'd be his last year with the Raiders? Heck no. But we know things evolve quickly in the NFL, and if you're somebody who supports Lamar Jackson, you should be – supportive of the notion that he should put himself first and make sure he does not get hurt again whenever we see him, hopefully sooner rather than later. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich Eisen. Check out the Twitter feed coming up. B.W. Weber, Weber with two Bs, 1-844-204-RICH, number to call. Straight ahead, more quarterback conversation to wrap up the first hour of the program. Whoever the next head coach of the Broncos may be, Can they jumpstart Russell Wilson's career? That's on the way. Always an honor to be in for Rich. I'm Brian Weber. It's the Rich Eisen Show. We roll on. It's the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Brian Weber, in for Rich and the guys. 1 844 204 Rich. 1 844 204 7424. Rich back on Monday. You know, he's open to taking your phone calls. You can have a conversation with me on Twitter. That's B W Weber Weber with 2Bs getting closer to hour number two of the program. Thus far, it's been nothing but NFL. We're going to keep that going, talking Denver Broncos football and Russell Wilson presently. We'll start our number two of the show, trying to get a handle on the future of Tua Tunga and then we will incorporate our first guest coming up at one twenty Eastern time, taking you around the NFL with Mike Jones, national football writer for The Athletic. I will address some NBA coming up, and I can let you know there's another wrinkle involving tonight's Thursday night matchup details coming up. A reminder, this NFL postseason, every Westwood One NFL broadcast streams live for free. The wildcard round, the divisional round, AFC and NFC championship games, the Pro Bowl games, and Super Bowl 57. Thursday night football was already filled with uncertainty when it comes to who's going to be on the field for your Tennessee Titans, who have completely imploded they've lost five straight but because they had such a robust lead within the division they will still have the opportunity to win the division title next week winner take all when they take on the surging jacksonville jaguars so understanding from a playoff consequential standpoint there's no meaning for tennessee tonight and given the injuries they were already dealing with mike rabel now <laughs> has made it very clear this is going to be a glorified preseason game because I figured we get another look at Malik Willis who has struggled as many rookies do. Now, if you watch more than the red zone and I do my best to pull up highlights and just get a eyeball summary of a player, I don't hand out grades. I'm not breaking down tape, but Willis has looked overmatched. Still Young player, hard to learn on the job, but he's had some very rough games, so I guess I should not be overwhelmed with the news that was announced within the last 15 minutes. Josh Dobbs starting tonight for Tennessee. Now, it's a good human interest story, and Al Michaels must be losing his mind even more. Al's been a little bit cranky on Thursday Night Football, and he's the best in our industry And the best of all time, I think, when it comes to calling football. Certainly right there with baseball. But you go from the Sunday night schedule, the best games every week, to the flossum and jetsum of Thursday night football, at least from a standpoint of having the fans in Tennessee having a reason to cheer tonight. You probably recall Josh Jobs was a terrific college football player in the SEC for the Tennessee Vols, making his first career start tonight, I recall, When I was deeply involved in the path to the draft, he was selected by the Steelers, wound up with the Lions. What's it mean? Tennessee's going through the motions tonight. Now, the counter is backups are highly motivated. We have seen Dallas, within the last month, play down to the competition as recently as that game against Houston. They tried seven different ways to lose it. So, I'm not telling you not to watch. I'll be watching. It's my job, after all. If you're inclined to maybe enjoy other things, I'm back tomorrow. I'll give you the takeaways. I don't break games down. i trying to tell you what's important from whatever happens on the field. And we'll talk more about Dallas and how much I actually believe in them, which I can't believe I'm saying as I'm trying to be objective, given all of the reasons Dallas has given us over the years to come to the conclusion they are frauds. Been a horrible year for the Denver Broncos and a real departure from their proud history. And you have to take a step back and wonder how much of the decline of Russell Wilson can we blame on a coach who, from day one, looked like he had no earthly idea of what he was doing. And I'm not trying to take shots at Nathaniel Hackett, but when you have that... Mental lapse week one against Seattle, and you're playing for a 67-yard field goal, despite the fact that the franchise went all in with draft capital, and when it comes to scratch, giving Russell Wilson a contract on paper worth $240 million. The guarantee is more like $160, but still huge money. Why don't you use him, especially in his homecoming back to Seattle, Try to have him make a play. Instead, you're settling for a 67-yard field goal. And things hit rock bottom last week against the Rams with Baker Mayfield scoring half a hundred, the sideline verbal altercation, the fight with Randy Gregory postgame. It was time for Hackett to go. So here is the real question based on whomever takes that job. And if you follow all the NFL insiders that come to mind, Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, Jake Lazer, there is a degree of speculation, unless Sean Payton is just negotiating through the press, that he doesn't want that job in Denver because he views it as no win because he thinks at this stage, although he's only 34 years old, Russell Wilson may not be fixable. And that's really the entire thrust of what's going to happen for the Broncos moving forward. Now, a legitimate head coach can solidify that locker room because clearly there are major divisions going on within the roster in Denver. Part of that comes down to the veterans looking at Hackett saying, this guy is my boss. Not going to happen. I'll see you later. All right, Coach Hackett, be good. So you have to have a grown-up in the room. Is that Dan Quinn? Is that Jim Harbaugh? And I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about Harbaugh's future well, today and tomorrow, because I don't think it was a coincidence that he had the interview with the Vikings last year on the record. Officially, we knew it occurred, even though Michigan finally made it to the playoffs and they're back this year, getting set to take on TCU on Saturday. Whoever it is, can you coach up Russell Wilson? And I'm not sure. And sometimes you do have to trust your eyes because we saw this from Russ at the end of his run In Seattle, go back to the COVID season, first half, 2020. Remember, we were talking about Russ finally winning the MVP. He got hurt, never looked the same. Last year was riddled with inconsistency, and this year has been a disaster. So we can go through all the names, and it's a fun time of the year to kick around who might be going where. I have empathy for everyone who might be fired, but it's the cycle within that profession. But whomever it is. And Peyton makes a lot of sense based on Russell's own perception that Drew Brees was his favorite player growing up because they're both not tall. I'll go with diminutive. Well, is anything really going to change? Because unlike Drew Brees, Russ is not a prototypical dropback quarterback. He's had his best on the move. He doesn't move that well anymore. He got old in a hurry. Now, if you're a Russ fan, the pushback would be, hey, fill and Hack, whoever you are, do you look at that offensive line? What's he supposed to do? I get it. I'm not saying his career is over. I'm saying I think it's a bigger, more of an ask, a fixer-upper project that is larger than a lot of casual fans think. I think Russell Wilson has turned the corner, and I'm not saying it's on the 16th or 17th hole, but he certainly on the back nine. One hour down, a lot more to get to. We'll talk Thursday night football from the Dallas point of view and the future of Tua in Miami. We'll check in with Mike Jones from The Athletic. Your voice can be heard, 1-844-204-RICH. I will check the Twitter account presently. That's B.W. Weber. Weber with two Bs. Another hour of the program's on the way. I'm Brian Weber, always having a good time, sitting in for Rich on the Rich Eisen Show.